It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome back to Play Tessie. It is episode nine, the Ted Williams episode. We are joined by the usual cast of characters. It is me, Coop, along with Gordo, Sammy, and Pat. This is the official Red Sox podcast of Frozen Heads, also known as the official Red Sox podcast of WEEI, home of the Boston Red Sox. Boys, how are you doing? I mean, we just came off of a nice Sean McAdam episode. We're we're enjoying our day off. We're we're watching all these Otani happenings happen, which I wasn't loving. Um, not much else, other news besides that. So we're stuck in a little quagmire of what we want to talk about. So we're getting creative. We're we're looking at what the Brewers are doing, and they just did something hell of unique, which we're gonna let Sammy get into in a second here. Um, and maybe the Red Sox might be able to do that. And then we're also gonna be talking about transitioning into other discussions from that maybe the second base because the red sox are still inactive and they are still missing that giant hole in the middle infield so we are going to get to all of that but first and foremost gordo how you doing you know coop you said it's the official podcast of frozen heads and we're getting into that season where my head feels like it's frozen every were you time getting I head step- frozen yeah. yeah it's like that oh i lost my snow hat for like months and I'd just been wearing this black snow hat that makes me look like a bank robber. And I finally found it. So I'm good to go. But yeah. I, Wait, I you're wearing like the Drewski mask? No, it, it wasn't going over my face, but I, I looked like I was like, I mean, I, I have a black jacket, so I'm like all black everything. Like, so it was basically either all black everything and like, that's my look or like frozen head. I think you got to go all black everything. Well, luckily, I have a green hat. Now, I think, so I think okay. this is the glow up Gordo winter. Oh, is that glowing up? Is it? Coop? I, I feel all like whenever everything? you wear all black, like you're instantly more handsome, no matter who you are. So I think if, if you shirt. go all black every single day, no, Gordo, every single day you are wearing all black. Dude, I'm going to get hit by a car in the nighttime. Eh, don't go out at me. night. I got to take the dog out, Coop. I got to be responsible. Go outdoors between the hours of like seven o'clock in the morning and three o'clock in the afternoon. You're good. If you wore a hot yeah. biz vest, like a bright orange vest, and you just walk around with that, and people be like, "Why do you wear that?" And you're like, "Well, the I want to wear black, but I want to be safe as well." That's smart. So you wear a high biz, like the a Halloween costume that like people used to wear, where it was just like the stick figure of glow uh, sticks. I don't know if you guys ever saw that. That was a pretty sweet yeah. Halloween costume. Um, but speaking of frozen heads, uh, do we? Would you guys have your heads frozen like Ted Williams? Like, I, how cool of a person do you have to be to have your head frozen? Well, you got. Like, I don't think I could do. It. Money. I was just about to say, how much do you think that costs? That that's a big part of the equation. Crino, was it cryotherapy? No, cryotherapy is when you just go in the tank. Is it cryogenesis? Yeah, you're, you're wrong. You're wrong. Pat, you're you're the doctor here. Cryotherapy yeah, is, is good for you, right? Cryotherapy is not a tank. Cryotherapy is. Um, Ice with compression, like a cryo cuff. Uh, cryogenic, yeah. Cryogenesis is when they freeze. 
Ted Williams head. Yeah, okay. right. obviously. NBC News in yeah. 2000. Read a book, idiot. They posted an article that says this company will freeze your dead body for $200,000. So basically, you have What's to ask yourself. Change? You have to ask yourself, is it worth it for the whatever percent chance you think that this is going to one day be able to result in you coming back to life? Is that worth $200,000 that you're not going to leave to your family? If you have, uh, I've got a little, I've got a little update for those in the lower tax brackets like myself. Eighty oh. grand to uh, freeze just your head. You don't get to do your whole body; you just get to freeze your head. But eighty grand. Okay, now we're talking. No, that's Teddy a holiday game was a cheapskate. That's a hell of a holiday gift. Like, hey, right. go to your family. Hey, Mima, Mima's getting up there in age. Let's take care. I of got you Christmas. a, I got you a discounted head freezing facility. So. <laughs> You're going to die soon, so we'll freeze your head, and maybe you'll come back. You probably won't, but you might, and it's only 80 grand. So did Ted Williams, me? did he freeze his head or did he freeze his body? Do we know? He just froze his head. Ah, he yeah, just out. His son he had his head out. frozen. I don't think that was a Ted well, Williams guess, decision. What do you guys think? Yeah. Do you think this is the year? Is this the year he comes back? Uh, well, they there were – I don't know if you guys remember this. There was a report at one point where the facility that he was at – was partially unfreezing some of their heads because they weren't really either they weren't paying for their electrical or their electrical <laughs> went out the ACs went out so i believe ted williams head was thought out for a little bit whoa whoa that's not oh, yeah. good this ah. is probably not the year that they unthought him cuz the red sox lineup is already very left-handed heavy so i don't think they'll unthaw him this year oh true would yeah, you right. he wouldn't be of good of good use this year they don't need a lefty all right, free agency. Ted Williams comes back. Miraculous. The science has progressed within the last month. Um, Shohei Otani or Ted Williams? Mm, well, here's the issue: they're not pitchers. He's old. They're not pitchers. The issue is you're yeah. getting you're getting the you're getting Shohei. Old. Shohei's not that old. No, no, no. no, no. Ted Williams. You're getting it's like. like 70 80 year old he's in a wheelchair that's, but he couldn't move that's how many years that's like 20 years of like rest and recovery though <laughs> you put him through Four. some tom brady pliability real quick he's hear me cranking out. home runs hear me out this may be morbid we take the head and put it on like a 20 year old yeah oh yeah. Uh, previously deceased previously deceased we're not going to kill someone oh. so like a 20 year old who like died in a car accident we're gonna just take their body Put Ted Williams's head on it. How do you get like their their body? Like this is this is this is something interesting. If you're just freezing, can the I head- dedicate my body to science? Like I'm cool if I can just become Ted Williams' vessel. Yeah. Oh God, we gotta kill Coop. Well, hold oh, on. No. Someone answer me this. If they just oh. freeze the head, what if say say it does work and and the head is is going to be usable? What body hey, are, we, are they planning usable. to put that on? It's got to be someone with the same. It's got to be someone who's left-handed and also like the same size as Ted Williams. So like a tall, left-handed gentleman, preferably from San Diego, California, or Boston. Cast, I guess that could cast, work too. Interesting What what about like a full prosthetic body, like a robot body, or is that not allowed? It can't be Casas Coop Why? because we need we need a first baseman. That's yeah, true. We need Casas too. We All need right. both Coop. I. I made a joke earlier, but now there's some slight concern. Um, I'm a tall, left-handed person. How tall is Ted Williams? Uh-oh. Oh, no. If this is, wait, wait, wait. Before you say it, if this is like 6'1", 180, I'm in deep shit. Right, Six, five. Williams was 6'3", oh. 6'3", 205. 
Oh, why the hell did I just get six five? But but Pat, he might have shrunk later in his life. He could have been. He could have gotten down to six one before he died. It's possible. People don't talk about how handsome he was. Handsome MFR and the greatest fisherman of all time. Yeah, the uh, the Paul Newman of the baseball diamond, as they used to say. No one said that. I just made that up. What big sauce guy? Newman's own. Uh, so in any case, frozen heads, um, that's going to transition. Well, actually, no, great transition. Uh, Ted Williams was a teenager and playing professional baseball in Southern California until he could actually be major league ready. That's when the Red Sox paid for his contract from the Padres at the time, which I believe were a minor league team um, or just an indie ball team. So that gets us into what the Brewers just did today. Uh, Thursday morning, there were reports that there'd be a big signing for the Brewers, but not for any free agent. It was for a minor leaguer, which I'm going to give it to Sammy to take away from here. All right. Thank you, Coop. So, yeah, the Brewers uh, today, Thursday, November 30th. I actually don't think it's official yet, but it's been reported. It's one of those kind of like it's going to happen kind of deals. They announced an extension for Jackson Churio. And if you're not familiar with him, he is the number two prospect in all of baseball. 19 years old, hasn't played above double A, but this is one of those prospects where you're like, come on, this guy's going to be a guy. We're like 95% sure this guy's going to be a guy. And that's everyone around Major League Baseball saying that. So they extended this kid with no Major League experience, eight years, $80 million. And you might be thinking, why would you do that? He's literally never played Major League Baseball, nor has he played in triple A. But like I said, He's pretty much a sure thing. Uh, And it's not the first time this has happened either. It's happened a few times. Most recently, Luis Robert, six years, $50 million. So not as big of a contract. Uh, And that was a huge success for the White Sox. Nowadays, he is one of the best players in Major League Baseball. Uh, I talk about him on this podcast, I feel like, every other week. And he makes really, really low amount of money for how good he is. So that's a success. On the flip side, good example would be the Mariners. I don't know if you guys remember Evan White, first base prospect. I believe he actually won a gold glove his rookie year, but uh, he was extended for six years, $24 million, and he, I don't even think he's in Major League Baseball anymore. So it doesn't always work out. There's also Scott Kingery, who they uh, Phillies extended for six years, $24 million. Um, he was a major leaguer, but he wasn't, you know, the guy they thought he would be. So The reason we bring this up is because the Red Sox have, in my opinion, four guys who kind of sort of fit this criteria. Uh, Now, the first two are not perfect examples because they have played in Major League Baseball, and that's Tristan Casas and Brian Bayo, two young guys who, you know, we think we know what they're going to be, but we're not sure. Extension candidate. And then the other two who are much more similar to Churio would be Roman Anthony, the Red Sox number one prospect, and Marcelo Meyer the very close uh, number two prospect, both of whom have not played above double A, but they're also guys who are kind of like, eh, come on, they're going to be a guy. So here's what I want to know. Would you guys be comfortable? And I want to focus on the minor league guys, not Casas and Bayo, because I think we all agree that we'd like to see those guys extended. How would you guys feel about extending Anthony and or Meyer without them playing a single game in Major League Baseball? So here, here's my thoughts on contracts like this, par- particularly for like a big market team like the Red Sox. Because with the Brewers, there's certainly 
a good amount of risk there because they're not they're not pushing the luxury tax every single year. Like when you're paying a guy 10 million bucks a year, you need him to be good. Whereas with a team like the Red Sox, like we we see them get around contracts for guys who are like we saw them be successful with Pablo Sandoval's money on the roster, like Ruzne Castillo's mon- dead money. They're successful for years. So for guys that you feel good about, I almost never have a problem with guaranteeing their full six years up until free agency. Like if you buy out all of their arb, all of their arbitration, it's so six years, you buy it all out. And then the only risk you're taking on is beyond that. Because unless you're going to DFA the guy, the only risk you're really taking is adding like a couple more mil to his deal if he stinks. So like with with the Jackson Shurio example, he's eight years plus two team options. So the only risk in there for the Brewers is those first two free agent years. And then you've got team options. The upside is is insane. And like obviously for the kid, he's never he's played what? Like it was it six triple A games or something? So like, oh my God, you're gonna get 80 mil without even coming close to the bigs? Like, yeah, you'll take that. But for the team, you get insane upside. Like you said with the Luis Robert example, I mean People talk about him as a trade asset. It's like he's so valuable that they like can't trade him because the value is just that high. And that's the upside. If, if this guy is as good as, as they think he is, and like we saw it again, uh, Corbin Carroll is another very similar example. He played very limited major league games, and he got a huge extension. And this guy is going to be one of the most valuable contracts in baseball for years to come. And it, it was just because the, uh, the uh, Diamondbacks went out on, on a limb and did it. So I've always said extend these guys as early as possible. The upside for the team always outweighs the upside for the player. I'm I'm always for it. Like I don't I don't care if it's Casas or Bayo, like you said, Sammy, if it's if it's Roman Anthony who's played like what, like a couple of weeks of double A ball. Like I don't care. Like get these guys locked up. If if the downside, like how how much did Evan White or Scott Kingery, or John Singleton's another example with the Astros. Like, how much did those actually hamstring those organizations? It, like, it, it, like barely at all. Yeah, a little slap on the wrist. By the way, I want to issue a small correction. Churio has played in AAA, like you said, but it's extremely limited. Twenty four uh, at bats, twenty four plate appearances, twenty one at bats. So, um, and another thing I want to touch on that you mentioned was the upside for Churio. Now. As much as we are supremely confident that this kid is going to be a guy uh, in Major League Baseball, you really never know. Like we've seen guys flop who we were super confident would be good. Uh, And this is life changing money for him. $80 million, like, yeah, good chance that he's making under uh, what he could make in those like fourth, fifth years on that contract. But 80 million is 80 million. He's going to have another chance to uh, rake in some money after the contract. So, that's another key component. It, it's a safety net of sorts for these young players. You buy out those arbitration years. They don't have to hurt their relationship with the team, which for the Brewers, if you're familiar with the Corbin Burns situation, is important. And uh, yeah, I agree with what you said, Gordo. It's 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 a risk, but it's not like it's not like you're giving a Devers contract ten years, what thirty three hundred thirty one million, something like that. So yeah, uh, eleven crazy big contract. So. Yeah, I think it's a smart risk uh, for both sides. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best 
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team and that's a good point you make too sammy he even if both team options are picked up like if this guy is an absolute superstar and and it's no-brainer those options are picked up and this guy plays out the full extension and is great he's gonna hit free agency again at age 30 which we see guys do all the time anyway so this guy is gonna get 80 guaranteed mil i think the team options are not included in that 80 mil or maybe they are i don't know i don't know about that but regardless like this guy's going to rake in tons of money and get a chance to cash in again. It makes all the sense in the world, especially for guys who are going to break into the majors at such a young age because you you cash in twice. So like Marcelo Meyer, Roman Anthony, both very similar, both really young and are expected to hit the majors at really young ages. So both really interesting candidates for it. I'm not a fan. I know you guys just had your little love fest, I but I'm not a fan of it. And this you guy. guys make great points. You make excellent points where, yes, it, it's player friendly. That's awesome. I'm all for players getting whatever they need uh, to get by because capitalism takes advantage of people. And this is an opportunity for the employer to get a little help. Well, young dude over here is being a little progressive. Keep your uh, keep your knickers in a not in a bunch, I guess, old folks. Um, but I mean, like, that's cool and all. I don't think for the long run of the franchise that it's. Yes, it's a safe risk, but that's the whole thing is like, I, I just don't like risk at all, especially with minor league players. And maybe this is me just still being burned by Castillo. Uh, but I would rather see guys come up, you get them on short term deals. And then once they actually have a year under their belt or two years under their belt, like that's when you pay them. Dustin Pedroia, we waited for him to get his rookie of the year MVP. And then they gave him, what was it? 40 million. So, I mean, like, I, I would rather wait to see what a guy actually does at the big league level before actually paying them multiple years with tens of millions of dollars. I mean, the guys that you brought up, yeah, like, I, you can't really talk about, I mean, John Singleton, I can't really say he was too influential in the Astros winning their World Series, but he also didn't stop them from winning their World Series. That's the thing. Like, I understand it's not the most egregious thing in the world but i think if you start to get comfortable with spending this way then it can start to hurt you in the long run like we we're talking about marcelo meyer and roman anthony and trying to extend one of them and you're likely not going to extend both of them because you have to use the other one as a trade piece like we're we're already resigned to the fact that they're likely not going to be the two-way middle infielder guys we're likely going to be trading one of them So if you hand out a contract to both of them, that makes both of them more difficult to unload to other teams that don't really want to pay 
for a minor leaguer that's already tied up for X amount of years. That's not the risk that they wanted to put in. That's the risk that the Red Sox wanted to put in. So you've already kneecapped yourself on dealing one guy. You start handing them out to more of your top free agent guys. You get to the end of the season. You're in the trade deadline. You want to unload some of these guys because you're maybe a wildcard team. Maybe you're just on the outside of the bubble and you want to start making a push. You've now handicapped yourself because you've paid some of these guys proactively, but it's also a little preemptively now. So it's, it's a risk that I think ends up becoming a bigger mess than it can be helpful for a team. And that's, that's why I'm out on it. I like, like I said, I'm all for getting these guys paid. I'm all for making sure that all their talent and all their hard work over years and their family's dedication is paid off. But I also like seeing world series and I don't really want too much of a risk to get in the way of that. So I'm kind of in the middle ground. I think locking up early is never a bad thing, especially when you feel very confident about a player, how he projects over the next X amount of years. I get that. I completely agree. Locking them up early only secures them for the long run, gets them happy early, whatever. From Coop's end, I see how like the risk... Wander Franco the risk might not be the best thing. But I think in the case of Marcelo and Roman, I the reason I'm in the middle is I think if you're going to take that gamble and take that risk, I think you do it in the offseason before you have a good idea that they're going to be on the big league team the following year. Because if you take, let's say, Roman, for example, right now, he absolutely skyrocketed up every single list of prospect rankings. He had a fantastic season, whatever. So he won't be up to start next year. We can all agree on that. Best case scenario. I mean, if he continues to skyrocket, maybe a September call-up next year. So let's say you sign him to a 10-year, I don't know, 10-year, $100 million. Yeah, give him 100. 10 years, 100, yeah. or 110. 10 or 11 million. Sure. So 10 for 100. So you're thinking, okay, this guy's going to be our starting outfielder in 2025. At that point, we have him locked up for nine more years. The risk with paying a guy more than the season before he's going to be up is, let's say, that's me knocking on wood, Roman has a season-ending injury. That's one year of the contract gone. He rehabs the full next year. That's another. So he's up for the third. So in the end, you actually get the same amount of service time that you would have for more money. I feel like this applies to, I feel like these risks you could apply to uh, pretty much any free agent. That's why I'm like. Yeah, but like with free agents, they have MLB stats already. Like, you know what what they've done at the major league level, which makes it even more sure of a contract. We're also talking about a much smaller amount of money, like 10 years, uh, even 110 million. You're paying them 11 million a year. That's like the price of like a, like a top flight setup man, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, but it it still boils down to the whole, like, I can't now offload this guy for an MLB ready pitcher when I'm at the deadline compared to like, I now just have someone with an MLB type contract in the farm system while I'm trying to make a playoff push push and I can't unload him because he's at AAA and he might be stinking it up a little bit right now. But some teams might relish that contract because like, 
you know, like they've got the guy locked up already, you know, same like the Luis Robert situation. You know, some teams might think the way you're thinking, Coop, we're like, oh, okay, this is this guy's already locked up. I don't want to commit myself to this. But other teams might be like, wow, if this guy's who Good we value. think he is, we got him for great value for the next X amount of years. So, But do, I you, hear think, you-, do you think there are more teams out there willing to take in a contract that is just regular minor league contract where you have those years of control compared to the amount of teams that, are just looking at a, a small contract where a minor league player who is highly touted, but you have to be paying him a lot of like money for the next amount of years. And it's difficult to offload him. Like the crowd well, that you, like you're narrowing your, your audience of how you can handle your situations with this player is what I don't love. Let me do the Cardinal sin and answer your question with a question. Ooh. Do you think Jackson Churio's value went up or down today? Because I would definitely say it went up today because he's on a cheap contract for eight years now. And if you think he's going to be who everyone thinks he's going to be, now you can trade for him. And yeah, you have but, him. okay. But this is him. just this is the Fed manipulating like the cash flow in the U.S. We're getting into economics now, where <laughs> like the supply. So you have the supply side and you have the demand side. The demand side is much higher than what the supply side is. Like the Brewers are the only team right now willing to pay pay a guy like that. Like there's only one team right now paying. Well, not really one team. There's five other. Well, that you know of. Not everyone. Yeah, is. I mean, yeah. like they could. These guys could be turning it down. Or Orioles That's could. True. I wouldn't be shocked to see if like the Orioles gave Jackson Holiday like ten years, hundred million, and we see that like tomorrow. It's another small market team that's cheap. That they know this guy's going to be good. Lock him up. Bada bing. But the Brewers just. Know? But what I'm getting at is like the Brewers just manufactured demand. Like the only demand out there is right now is with them. Like there's only one like person that is actually buying that contract and what that guy is doing. That's the, like that supply. Yeah. And that is but it's future demand, but it's, but they're, they're anticipating future demand because what they're doing is buying out free agent years when it won't just be them bidding. They're buying out the years where everyone not else every team bidding. is evaluating this guy the same way that like they're going out there and they're saying what we're seeing off the field when he's doing like just preparing in spring training, when he's practicing or when he's going up against, you know, I forget what the machine is called where they can just like replicate what any other pitcher like can throw now. Jugs. Is it jugs? No, not a jug machine. I just want to say say jugs. It's a really cool thing. Like where like you can just punch in like Scherzer and you can be like, I want a change up from Scherzer and it will replicate the exact like pitch that he throws. So players can get prepared. Uh, But anyway, like, there are things, barometers that teams look at for their minor leaguers that other teams can't really see all the time because they're only really getting their tapes when they're playing them or, you know, off the field when they're preparing. So the Brewers are, in a sense, manufacturing the demand in the supply, like of the supply. I, this is like a weird, like, this is where my brain is at with like conceptualizing it with like economics. But in my mind, it's just like stagflation. Like you're creating way too much demand for something that I don't think all. 30 MLB teams are like willingly going to do. Well, Coop, here's, here's the issue. Yes. Yes. That's true in theory, but you have to like, and I want to go back to something you said before, cause you had said, Oh, I want my guys that I'm paying to have proven major league experience. I want them to have shown me they've did, they can do it before they can handle the grind. They can handle the environment. They can handle the market and then I'll pay them. But the issue with waiting for that. And obviously like each player is his own person and it's up to the organization to know who each of their individual guys is. But that 
like it, the Red Sox have been burned by this before because they tried really early on. They tried several times to extend Mookie Betts back in the day, including really early on. And Mookie has said in the past that that first initial contract extension offer that the Red Sox gave when he was, I believe, coming off his rookie season, if not then, it was right around then. He said that was the hardest money to turn down because when you're a player, like obviously like the team has to assess some risk to take the team has to take on some risk to get a player to accept the deal like that. Mm-hmm. And the less experience you have under your belt as a player also means the more time that you have to go until you can cash in. So the earlier you do those deals, the the more risk you are eliminating as a player. So the early, like the longer you wait to get it done, a the more expensive it's going to be because the player will have that much more experience under his belt and that much less time to get to free agency. But also the the scarier thing is a guy like Mookie Betts just saying, screw it. Like I I know I can do this here now. I want to hit the free agent market. Whereas, you know, maybe maybe the Brewers thought that Jackson Chorio would be that kind of guy and the only way they were going to extend him was to pay him while he's in the minors. It's just so, I feel like it has to be a, a player case by case circumstance. Yeah. Like maybe yeah, no, there's a guy that, that you want that you think wants to be here and like you can wait until you know, he's in his RB years to pay, but there's other guys that you can't like, you have to take on a little bit more risk because maybe they're a little bit more hell bent on hitting the free agent market and you got to blow them away early. If they were to hand out at the end of this year in eight year, let's say 175 contract to Cassis. I think that's too high. Just because, like, what was yeah. it eight, eight months? I mean, like, that's a lot of money. That's so what? That's you're buying about, out like, a little over twenty. You're buying out his minimum years too. Yeah. So, like, the way that, like, like, would, like the, would you the go out to and look like, at? Go look. Go look at Wander Franco's contract. Hilarious. Yeah. Yes, Wander Franco's contract. It okay. was like the example, first few though. years. No, it's a, it is because the first few years of it, he's making like just a couple of million, but then at the end, it's, he's, he's making, making like thirty. So much. And I know the raise plan was we're going to have him under contract for these cheap years. And then as soon as the price goes up, we're going to trade him when he's making $20 million a year. You mean the which, Tyler Glass For a guy now? like Wander. Yeah, basically the Glasnow thing, except on steroids because he's under contract for like seven more years at great value. So basically all this guy has to do is not have a, a relationship with an underage girl and keep performing the way he was performing. And they were going to make absolute bank off that thing. Yeah, I, I agree. He shouldn't have done that. All but. Right. I just firmly can I just say I also agree. Are we all this is the first What about Pat? I think Pat. I agree. Pat. Okay, thank you. Uh let it be known, Playtest is the only official podcast to come out (laughs) and say that Wander Franco, not a good guy. I haven't heard another podcast come out and say that. That's just us right now. We are officially an anti Wander Franco podcast. Wow, that is unique. I think we're the only anti Wander Franco podcast. Consider the trail. We are trailblazers, Pat. We are trailblazers. Wow, big of us, um, but yeah, Feels no, like I like chest, you know, I like I do really think this boil. Like I don't think there's any wrong way to approach this. I like I don't know if it's something that's going to become a trend in the MLB. Like I, you can certainly see the Dodgers doing it more often than the Brewers. Certainly, the Red Sox doing it more often than the A's. But like, it feels I, like Braves. a smaller Braves, market. Yeah. Other other than the Braves, it feels like a well. I mean, the trends don't really back up what I'm about to say, but it feels like a thing a smaller market team would be more inclined to do because they're they don't the want to wait. 
the White Sox, the Astros, now the Brewers, uh, Phillies. Phil, uh, the Phillies not really. It's bad. kind of a mix. Okay. Yeah. I was all right. Fine. Well, to put a bow on this, let's say Roman Anthony. Let's use uh, Pat's example. Ten years, hundred, hundred ten million. So you're paying him eleven million a year. I'm doing that without even blinking. Are you guys giving him that money? Yes. Coop is shaking his head. How Coop, I would give him that money. Coop, Coop, Coop's having an aneurysm. He's shaking when, his head so Roman hard. When Roman Anthony comes up and he's like Kyle mm-hmm. Tucker too, and mm-hmm. then his he's a free agent and we have to pay him $32 million a year, I'm going to be like, Coop, remember, you had said yes on play well, testing. if we're guaranteeing that he's playing like a potential World Series MVP, Kyle Tucker, not potential, but no, he no, could no, have no. been. This is the risk. This is the risk. There are no guarantees. That's why it's a tough question. We yeah, that's why I say no. Oh, I'm I would give him it all day. I would it's, give him it next year. You're the Red Sox. 11 million on the books. It's dead okay. money. Matt. Yes, Pat. I go with Pat. You're right. Pat. Pat is right. I would. I would wait another year. I'd wait till he's a little bit closer. Wait okay, till he I has mean, like at least a full year of Double A under his belt. I Are you telling me you're going to give him a pack of cigarettes? You're waiting for him to get closer. <laughs> what brand? Is that, a, is that a We're running that joke yeah, back. We're running that joke what back. Brand Marlboro. Coop? What? There you go. What? Yeah. Marlboro. 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 Closer, yeah, Marble. Mar- Marble. That was the uh, that was the hardest I've ever laughed on this show. Yeah, Tune into our last episode or two. Ep- what was two that? episodes ago? Two episodes ago, episode seven was very funny. But after you listen to this episode, and then where you know we what? all unanimously agree that we would extend Roman Anthony no. today. No, one hundred ten million. Nope. We all agree. They're nope. all shaking their heads. Yes, Mm-mm. don't listen to them. We nope. all agree. Wonderful. Okay. The propaganda machine that is the Hebrew hammer. Tremendous. <laughs> uh, so I, I mean, like, yeah, like I just wouldn't, just because like, as much as I want to see Roman Anthony a Red Sox forever, uh, no, not yet. We need to right, mature well, into so that. Uh, that two hundred fifty million dollar extension in uh, twenty thirty three or whatever. Yeah, okay. Those socks. Oh, yeah. Um, be, but talking about be- middle infielders. Second baseman, uh, we had a thought. Someone had a thought on this podcast. It definitely couldn't have been me. I don't have them that much off. Um, so, Gordo, you had yourself a tweet that uh, kind of popped off a little bit, had people debating back and forth what the Red Sox should be doing with second base. Um, do you want to want to take it away? Explain what went down? Yeah, I, I listed off. I listed off. 10 second base names that I thought were the most realistic and like desirable at the same time, free agent and trade option, second baseman. And I I asked people to rank them one through 10. And I thought that Sammy had an interesting uh, number one response. I I would, I'd be curious to hear uh, Sammy go into this one. Yeah. So I like to do the fake trade or just fake hypotheticals in general. And most of the second basemen on the market are, I feel like, offense first. Like Glaber, available via trade, not a great defender. Jonathan India, better bat than glove. Polanco, better bat than glove. There's a lot of examples like this. So every time I post about one, all the responses predictably are like, a defense stunk last year. You need to improve the defense. So today I went, okay, fine. How badly do you want to improve the Red Sox middle infield defense? Because... The one name out there that I can think of that would 
truly do that in a big gold glove way is Tommy Edmond of the St. Louis Cardinals. Now, let me preface this by saying we have no clue if the Cardinals will make him available. They have signed three starting pitchers, so that makes me think they want to contend. What does that mean? That means if the Red Sox want Tommy Edmond, they'd have to overpay. So I pose the question, how badly do you want to improve the middle infield defense? If the Cardinals made Edmond available, would you ship Tanner Houck off to St. Louis? Now, key component of this, Tanner Houck under contract for four years. Tommy Edmond under contract for only two years. For me, I think I would do this, and I'm not saying this with supreme confidence, but I'm leaning towards yes. Gordo was super against it. So I, I let me hear. Why would you not do this wonderful, wonderful trade? I, I, I think I stand on basically two pillars with my second base thing. First off, when I look at Tommy Edmond, and I know he does a lot, like he's a lot more of like an all-around guy, like he can run the bases, he's a good defender. All that stuff, but he—he's a below league average hitter. Two of the last three years, he's played he's played three full major league seasons, and he's been a below league average hitter in two of them. And so, and when I evaluate second base, I'm looking at like who can get me to Meyer because like I I just envision Trevor Story and Marcelo Meyer being the middle infield of the Sox future, and it's like why why am I going to trade one of our better pitching assets? for two years of a guy when we really only need one and why am I trading for a guy who's a below league average hitter when you could sign a free agent like Whit Merrifield who is honestly like he's kind of Tommy Edmond at home but like he he also isn't like he, they're basically the same hitter Whit can still run the bases really well like he he might not get as many stolen bases as Edmond but he, he can he's not as good of a defender but he can still defend the position like I just think that with second base you should either be trading for a rental or someone you could get at a good price, or you should be signing a one-year free agent and hoping they can just hold down the fort for a little bit. Like I don't, I don't see any reason to invest anything major into second base, particularly for a guy who's not even a league average hitter. I hear you, but here's what I like about Edmund. Over his career, you know, actually, this is kind of funny. His OPS plus is exactly 100, so he is legitimately as average as possible average. of a hitter. Uh, there's a few things I like. He is a great second baseman. He has a gold glove at second base. He also plays an above average shortstop and an above average center field, which is kind of nuts. You don't see that very often. The only guy I can think of who also does that is also on the Red Sox, Sedan Rafaela. Um, in addition to that with Tommy Edmond, he's also under contract for the next two years. He's projected to earn $8.1 million, which is pretty affordable for a gold glove switch hitting uh, base stealing second baseman. So on top of that, you got the versatility. You got a good contract. He's only under. He's only locked up for the next two years. Um, and you say we only need one for one year. We only need a second baseman for one year until Marcelo Meyer comes up, moves Story to second. We think. Um, I'm not as confident. I really like Meyer. I think he's going to be good. I don't know if he's going to be as good as most people think, but you know things happen. He got hurt last year. Uh, he could get hurt this year, and then maybe he gets pushed back a little bit. Then 2025, you're kind of looking at it like we got to find another second baseman. And on Whit Merrifield, who you mentioned signing, I don't even know if I want to dedicate any of the free agency money to him. I mean, he is he he really does nothing for me. He's a good base runner. Looking at I his, agree with you there. 
He doesn't hit the ball hard. He's going to be 35 years old in, a, in like two months. No power, not as much versatility. And it just doesn't do too much for me. And, and as for Hauk, I just don't love the concept of turning down a trade for a potential starting second baseman who can also play center field and shortstop, who's a league average bat, very good speed, elite, elite defense. I don't like turning down a trade for that guy to keep your sixth or seventh starting pitcher. So I, I understand if people say no. Hauk's good. I like Hauk. He's got a lot of upside. And again, it's four years of him compared to two of Edmund. But it's so hard for me to turn down that deal, especially when you consider Trevor Story and Tommy Edmund shortstop and second base. Oh, my God. That's a fortress. Brian Bayo might cry tears of joy, the ground ball pitching machine. So, yeah, I hear you, but I'm still I, – I, I think I'm pulling the trigger on this one. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So, I don't hate the idea of Edmund because, or yeah, because of okay, like the defense defense gets better, doesn't add much, but I think he's the equivalent of the. I take that back. He's better than the in-house options right now, but I think Hauk has higher value than Edmund, and for that reason, I will. There was rumors of them shopping him. Last year, I don't know if no one met the price and no one wanted him. I would love to get Tyler O'Neill in this package. Tyler. I like that. Because he's got a right pop. Like last time he played over 100 games, 34 home runs, I think. Two yeah, years yeah. team control. They have a surplus in the outfield. They have a surplus at second base, which is Edmund, odd man out. O'Neill, surplus in the outfield. I think you start with Hauk as the centerpiece because they could very much use a back end starter unless they want to trot out Miles McCullis again or whoever's lined up to be their five. I think in a bigger package, it makes sense. I think if you can trade surplus from surplus and kind of find some value that the Cardinals will get on their end, they get a back end starter and I mean, whatever else, whether they need a reliever, if they want like a Blaze Jordan type, have them. Cool. Yeah. I think for the Red Sox, if you can add the defense that you desperately need in Edmund and some potential right-handed pop in O'Neill. I like it a lot more on paper. But so, the one for one, I'm a little iffy on. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, I would I, I would like that much more. The reason I don't think that's going to happen uh, is because the Red Sox, like you said, desperately need a second baseman, and they also desperately need to improve team defense. Uh, and the Cardinals have no reason to trade Edmund. I believe he's going to be their starting center fielder uh, as it stands right now, which is how good he is out there. They're comfortable putting him out there in a year that they – think they're going to contend. Um, so I just feel like the Red Sox wouldn't have leverage. And I totally agree, Hauk's more valuable than Edmund. But that's, you got to bite the bullet and overpay, quote unquote, if you want to get this but guy. Why? But why? Okay, if you want to get him specifically, yes. I just don't understand why you would bite the bullet. If he was the only reasonable second baseman option out there, 
then I would be in your corner. Like he's like, oh, he's not my favorite, but like, eh, like he's kind of the only one out there. But like, you could trade for Brandon Drury, you could trade for Jorge Polanco, you could trade for Glaber Torres, you could sign Tim Anderson, you could sign Whit Merrifield. There's, there's, a, you could trade for Willie Adamas. Like, there's lots of options out there. It's like, like it's. I don't want to say it's a buyer's market, but you could basically go with whatever guy takes the least financial or prospect hit on you, and you're gonna be fine. Like, you don't need. You don't need to pay extra to get the totally. guy who has yeah. two years. No, you're right. You're right. But but I think Edmund's the best out of that bunch. That's what. That's the reason I would consider it because I think he's a better option than all those guys. He's the by far the best defender. He's got unbelievable speed. He swipes bags. Utility. Good contract under control for two years. So you're totally right, Gordo. You could go another way for a cheaper, you know, a cheaper second baseman. Maybe a guy you sign in free agency. You don't give up assets or a lesser guy you trade for. You trade less assets than if you're getting Edmund. But I'm just talking about if you want to get the premier defender who's under control for two years, that's when you bite the bullet. It's a matter of do you want to do that or you want to go another way? And I wouldn't tell anyone they're wrong if they want to go another way. Real I quick. think I think the main here, you go ahead, Pat. So I have the Cardinals roster up. Middle infield options. Brendan Dunneman, Tommy Edmond, Jose Fermin, Nolan Gorman, Mason Wynn. That's five quality middle infielders for two spots. Outfield-wise, let's say they put Edmond out there, right? Burleson, Carlson, Newt Barr, Tyler O'Neill, and Edmond, and Jordan Walker. That's six. I think they have – I think – Granted, maybe Edmonds at the top of the want to move list, but when they have guys that they can't necessarily play every day and get value back, I don't think it's that crazy to make a package and not force their hand, but really make them go, "Is this worth a guy who could be a bench piece?" Or a I don't rotation? think it's crazy either. I don't. I don't think because I think they've got a bunch of guys and none of them. They're all solid, but no one has really like gone above and beyond to like be that standout guy that they're not going to trade. So like while all the rumors are for Dylan Carlson and Tyler O'Neill, like those are the two names we see all the time out of the Cardinals as like those are the guys that they're trying to shop. I, I don't think it's crazy to, that you would see them deal Edmund. I want to like I feel like Sammy. I feel like the the disconnect in where we see the second base is I I just. Maybe, maybe this is just me being naive, but I just feel like the defense, like I know it stunk last year. I just don't see why it was that bad. Like, well, a lot of it was. I don't know. Maybe it's it on was, me. You know, Kike. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was Kike, and like that part of the equation definitely got better, and like that, and yeah. it will be better next year. It's like you've got Trevor Story at short, and like maybe you'll have some Sidon Rafaela playing wherever, and like you'll yeah. improve there. But like, I don't know. I. I evaluate these guys' offense first. Like I look at Jorge Polanco and Glaber Torres as guys who are above league average hitters every year, and I think to myself, like, those are the guys that like I want to see in the lineup. Like, and I, I, Tommy Edmonds a switch hitter, uh, so like he has that. But that's like why I love Jorge Polanco so much. Dude's a league average or a, an above league average hitter, he's and great. he hits from both sides of the plate. But yeah, he's a way worse defender than a Tommy Edmond. I just, I don't know. I just like I see like the Red Sox lineup, and I go position by position. And I just can't see a like a scenario where the defense is as bad or even close to as bad as it was last year. I mean, maybe I'm being naive and thinking that and you're thinking right. that they could just like walk in the door. But. You're totally right. I think you're totally right. But it's a different. It's a matter of do you want it to be better than last year or do you want it to be a plus? Because if you add Tommy Edmond 
then all of a sudden your infield defense, aside from Devers, is kind of a plus. You got Story and Edmund up the middle. That's unbelievable. I'm I'm super not worried about Costas. He was a great defender in the minors, and he looked good in the second half, so he's fine. Devers, we know Devers is not a good defender, but I, I agree with everything you said, but the way I see it, you can turn that middle infield defense from passable to, oh my God, look how happy Brian Bayo is. He's just getting all these double plays. So um, I hear you. And another thing that's worth considering with the rule changes, I, I think speed has never been this important. So um, that's true. He's, can, I, can, I, can I ask you something? Yeah, what, what, in one sec. So Edmund yeah. is 88th percentile speed. So you add him, you got Duran, you got Story. All of a sudden, you got a few burners in your lineup, which puts a lot of stress on defense and pitching. And I know like everyone will roll their eyes at that. But you know, you saw the playoffs. You saw how the Red oh, Sox against that as well during the regular season. So it's a thing. It matters now, the new rule changes. Anyway, sorry, Coop, but no, 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 because you brought up like a very interesting point there where Bayo is ha- all happy because he's rolling double plays for his middle infield. Uh, the reason why I'm a little iffy on dealing Houck, uh, he has an incredible ground ball rate. Like if you look at his baseball savant, he doesn't wow you on a whole lot of things. But if you look at his ground ball rate comparatively to the MLB, like he's in one of the top percentiles and you look at what he is compared to. He's compared to Bayo. He's compared to Winkowski. He's compared to Perez. Uh, all guys that, I mean, Martin Perez no longer with the Red Sox, but there's something going on with the Red Sox where they're figuring out how to get teams to just ground up left and right. Uh, he was also compared for his stuff to one Logan Webb, who Andrew Bailey just helped turn around. Yeah, Baseball That's Savant just gave call. me that little. Yeah. That's beautiful. Oh, I would cry. Um, I would cry if that- like- Tears of joy. Like, that's like where I get held up on it because we haven't seen Houck's full potential because he's been hurt every year, it feels like. But when he is healthy and when he is on, he can be a pitcher that can be dominant for you in the bullpen or in the long relief slot. I would prefer to see him in the bullpen. Uh, <laughs> but he's a ground ball pitcher and he's someone that Tommy Edmond would love. So like when you brought this up, like, I kind of laugh because it, it's a twilight zone where you're gaining in one area, but you're going to be losing in the next where that pitcher could be helping out that thing that you just brought in. Tough so job. It, it, it's, it's a conundrum, but it's a fun conundrum that you drew up. And I think at the end of the day, it's, I don't want to risk someone that we've been investing in talking about investing in players this episode. Okay. Uh, that's a good point, Coop. And that actually makes me want to pose a question here. Ooh. Would you rather have Tanner Houck and Whit Merrifield or Tommy Edmond? Because in my mind, that's kind of like, that's kind of the question you got to ask yourself. Because if they, if they don't get Tommy Edmond, the, the alternative isn't running Reyes and Valdez out there. The alternative is maybe signing a free agent who you're, who probably isn't as good. Cause I, I don't think any free agent middle infield option out there is as good as Edmond. So how can Edmond or sorry, how and Whit Merrifield on, we'll say, like a one-year, $9.5 million contract. I don't know. Or Tommy Edmond and his two years left at whatever he gets in ARB. Gordo, do you do you like to uh, swim in the ocean? Uh, depends on the temperature. Okay, because the ocean is just as blue as Whit Merrifield's baseball savant page. He does almost nothing well anymore. He doesn't strike out, and he's a good base runner. He's a bad defender now. He makes almost no hard contact, and he's about to be 35. I'm 
like, I don't, it's not that I am anti Whit Merrifield. He just does nothing for me. I'd almost rather just platoon Reyes and Valdez or go something internal. But um, no, I'm still going Edmund because if you're talking about Hauk and Wit, you're talking about a guy who I think most of us want in the bullpen. So that's a relief pitcher. And then a 35-year-old second baseman, probably on a one-year, maybe two-year deal with a little bit of utility. Um, I'd go Edmund. I'd go Edmund. I, I'm really high on him if you can't tell. Uh, I want that speed. I want hey, you that. You love this guy. This is your I like, boy. I like the switch hitting. I think that matters more than uh, people think. I'm actually going to kind of get into that in my Nuff set a little bit. But, um, yeah, I would I would go Edmund over uh, those two. That quote, I, I'm high on Edmund, I love the speed. It just sounds like some quote from like a dare class where they're just like, don't be doing Edmonds, kid. Oh, you got any Edmonds? You got any Edmonds around here? I'm trying to get you a little. Edmonds for me? Um, I also you, have Coop? a Tommy Edmonds <sighs> fact. His Ooh. middle name is Hyun Soo, which is what? cool. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's Korean, I believe. Yeah. All right, I'm sold. Hyun Soo. You want Hyun Soo or you want Wit? Actually, I can't say that because I don't. I- Bobby this Witt, is, this is coming player. off. I can't make fun of that name. This podcast today is coming off like I like Whit Merrifield. I do not like Whit Merrifield. So you want uh, Merrifield. You think it's 2015. You want Merrifield, well, what, eight years, 120 million, you said? Great. You said in 2016? <laughs> no, I'm just spreading misinformation. No, I, I know uh, you're not a Whit Merrifield. 2016, guy. hell yeah. Dude, no, I, I mean, it, yeah, that, on a one-year deal for like 10, 12 million, I'm not going to be mad. I'm just going to be like, right. No, it's just like, ugh. It's just, yeah, I'm out. I just, I right away when you said it, I thought Whit Merrifield from like 2015, 2016, and I was like, yeah, that'd be pretty sweet in a Red Sox jersey. But now thinking about where he actually is, I'm like, no, that that's dumb fan brain stuff. Did you make the all-star I'm out, I'm out on Whit Merrifield. I'm did out. you make the what? all-star team or am I crazy? Last year, he did. He did. Yeah, because Kansas City rocks at second base. No, it was the Blue Jays. Oh, that's right. Okay, another area that, but it wasn't even the vote. It was the stupid because they needed a second baseman, and there's no good second baseman. That's just so bad. Oh my god, look at his numbers last year. Seven hundred in Toronto cannot have fan voting. I like it ruins all star voting. I hate it. We're all Boston just sucks at all star voting. We don't. The all star game is not a barometer of how good you are. Boston's all about bottom line. Are we winning the World Series or not? Don't <laughs> yeah. care about the friggin' All-Star. I couldn't care less every year. You know what I kind of like? The final vote for some reason. Oh, the final <laughs> yeah. vote rocks. Where were, where, that. Was that not here last year? Where did that go? I don't know. The Red Sox didn't have anyone in the final vote. The, or final vote the final vote? The final vote is what I imagine, like to us, what American Idol like text voting was for like 40-year-old moms. Like there's no adrenaline like it Dude. just voting non-stop for the person that you love when there i was, was young, guys, pat when i when i was younger uh i used to my mom and i would watch american idol like religiously and there was a website where you could where they would monitor the call frequency of like who's getting votes so in the morning i would check and i'd be like do you want me to tell you who's eliminated do you want me to tell you and it'd be like this whole love american idol ruben stuttered is my guy Season that two. was peak. Um, Daughtry should have won. I'll die on that hill. Crazy. He came in fourth place. That's nuts. Daughtry, I agree, Pat. He should have won. Fourth place is nuts. I remember his face when he got eliminated, just shocked. Daughtry had a better career, didn't he? 
Justice yeah. for Chris Daughtry. <laughs> yeah, he did have a good career. So, <laughs> one in the end. Um, uh, bring back regular all-star voting where it's just like everything is voted. Like, you have one vote. You have the ballot boxes at every, like, stadium. You get, like, a ticket. Or you get, like, a ballot with your ticket when you go in. And, like, that's how you unlock the ballot. And, and like, that's the only vote you can have. Or, all right, we're workshopping this, right? Free ideas for the MLB. Um, because everything, like the ballpark app, when you buy a ticket, when you go in and you actually scan it, and the time while you're at the ballpark is the only time you can actually submit a ballot. So you Ooh. have to be going to games within like the week of that like voting period. And that's like when you can vote. Good way to incentivize. You might get 10 or 12 extra fans a year. No, I think it will just be better. I think it will be a more well-rounded representation of the it's actual pure. talent that year. Yeah, it's, it's pure. You can't spam the voting system. Hey, like me. Gordo, tens of us about, will love what do you it. think about this, Gordo? Whit Merrifield wore number one on the Blue Jays in 2022, right. and then he switched to 15. Who is this guy? Do you even trust him? He thinks he's Dustin Pedroia. I like him. He was, you said he was first in war on the 22 Blue Jays? I don't Jays? know. He wore number one. He wore oh, jersey he wore one, one. And then he switched to 15. No, he had 0.7 war. Dramatically <laughs> different. <laughs> I was so like, if no if way. You're a war guy, if you're a war guy, Whit had 0.7 this year. Meanwhile, Tommy Edmond, who played through a hurt wrist, had 2.1. Just saying. I'm not a big war guy. Though, Gordo's so. out here thinking like every baseball player, like their jersey represents their like their rank in war <laughs> on their team. Like, why would they trade Xander Bogarts? He's been number two in war for the entire time he's been here. This is crazy. They're ranking. How okay. could they retire Bobby Doerr? They they can't have a they're, they're bogey's number one now because this Alex Verdugo guy he kind of blows ninety nine in war. Holy oh. moly! If Judge I didn't even know there's ninety nine guys in the organization. <laughs> if, if, if Judge hadn't stubbed his toe in L.A., he would be given jersey number one. But no, yep. 99. Sorry about that. Yep. All right. Um, so we but, have no consensus on the Edmund Witt Hauk situation. Um, as it should be. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's good. We'll, we'll let the li- It's funny. I looked on the tweet while we were talking about it. It's like 50-50. People like, do it, obviously. Or We no. only have consensuses on one thing, and that's on making sure everyone knows Juan DeFranco. Not a good guy. No. Great ball player. Terrible person. No, I'll even say bad ball player. Tommy Edmond. Big of me. Good guy. Bad ball player. Whoa. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> good guy, though. Good guy. Good yeah, guy. That's all that matters. Uh, let's move on to our enough sets. Let's uh, let's wrap this baby up. Um, some things happened this week that I don't. It wasn't an exciting week for the Red Sox. So we we probably had more exciting lives outside of Red Sox land. Pat, what did you get up to? What this week? Yeah. Started a clinical. All right, that's sweet. What's your enough said? My enough said? No one, no one wants to talk about work. What the hell is what this? What I did this week. I, I cooked chicken last night. That was pretty cool. Oh, man. I'm, I'm looking at the. Uh, I'm looking at our show sheet, and I can't wait to hear Pat talk about what's listed. So according to the show sheet, I'm going to talk about money laundering. What the hell? What the hell? <laughs> you watched my lock picking videos, didn't you? No, no, no. I left it vague for the reason. There is a massive money laundering scheme going on in the United States right now, and they are under the guise of the Atlanta Braves Foundation. Okay, allegedly. Let's just throw that on real quick, protect ourselves legally. Allegedly. Allegedly. Thank you. Every free agent contract that they sign 
if you read the stupid announcement that they tweet out, the picture of the agreement, every single contract says such and such agrees to donate 1% of their contract to the Braves Foundation. These kids better be wearing Gucci. They have (laughs) hundreds of millions of dollars based on these contracts. And where does it go? Who knows? Where do... I firmly believe that Alex Anthopoulos, allegedly, I'll cover my ass again, allegedly. Right. Hey, friend of the baseball is in boring world. Is laundering this money. He's okay. taking a cut of free agent contracts that he's already signed and he's resending it out. He has a Ponzi scheme. This is how they sign everybody. Can can I add to this? Because there's more insanity about the Braves. So their owner, I'm blanking on his name right now. He owns the single most amount of property in the U.S. privately. He owns the equivalents of Rhode Island. Braves are sketchy. There, I mean, yeah. he, he, yeah, owned, like, he owns Madoffs. Valley Sports, which is kind of going under right now. So we might show how he's doing. Bernie Madoff just got, or not Bernie Madoff. Uh, Warren Buffett just got involved with the uh, Braves. He got a certain percentage of their ownership. It's wild what's going on in Atlanta. I'm just um, saying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just I saying. Gotta, I, gotta I like where we're at. I got a comment on money laundering. Here's a, a theory. I've been workshopping for since since I started college back in 2013, uh, since graduated, but um, my theory is that mattress stores are used for money laundering. That's a Col- that's a Coley Mick blog. Shout out the oh, Mick man. That's really? A thing. That's a thing. There's way too many. I thought I came up with this. I'm I'm going to find you this piece of art that oh. Coley put together because Dude, I'm devastated. I thought this, I thought I came up with this. Well, I mean. I, I mean, I didn't know that he did that, so I kind of, kind of, sort of did. But like, if you buy one every ten years, how do these, how do these stay in business? It makes no There's sense. So many, There's too many stores. There's a million of Sammy. them too. What? I am not kidding you. I will be driving down the street or anywhere with my girlfriend, and from the passenger seat, I will hear "Not a real place" as we drive by a mattress store. Okay, she so this is, is like so convinced that it is laundering to the to the peak. Like, plus peak everyone just laundering. buys their mattresses used, right? This sucks. I thought I was like, I thought I was unique and came up with this take. No. Coley Mix got one. Pat's girlfriend's got one. Devastated. You, some people buy them like one from the store. Others, like myself and Coop, we buy them from flea markets. I mean, yeah. these people, these guys can't stay open. It's not real. Facebook Marketplace is the uh, best spot for Fugazi. It's Fugay. It's not real. Weird. I got one in college off of a Craigslist from some guy who was moving back to Milwaukee. Were there any stains on it? No, it was clean. That's how we advertise it. He had all these pictures. He's like completely clean, newish. And I was like, I'm kind of broke. I'll do this. You put sheets on it. You put sheets on it. Who cares? Yeah. You know what? Throw a double, throw two sheets on it. Okay. Right? Yeah. Is that what you do? Got a new one since. So. Graduated. Hmm. Here's a mattress. Nice. That's a water bottle. Um, this is a yeah. So money laundering. Um, big, big in on that. I, I'll get to the bottom of that conspiracy theory with you, Pat. Uh, Sammy, any enough said? Yeah, I heard a weird uh, take. And as you guys know, uh, I like analytics, all that stuff. But sometimes I think it gets a little bit crazy. I saw someone, actually, sorry, I heard this on a podcast. I won't give free advertisement, but I heard someone say they don't believe in lineup protection. I think that's crazy. I think that's not, they're like, well, there's no statistical, like, I feel like if you ask 
any major league pitcher, they'll be like, yeah, lineup protection's real. And like the most simple example, let's say you are Jaron Duran. You're batting leadoff for the Red Sox. I feel like it's not crazy to say that a starting pitcher is more inclined to throw you strikes and not pitch around you because you have Rafael Devers batting after you and they don't want to put you on when Devers is coming up. Similarly, let's say you are, last year you're Justin Turner. Devers is constantly on base in front of you. You got a guy on base, so you're going to see better pitches because they don't want to walk you and put someone in scoring position. I, I thought I was going crazy. One of crazy. the first things that I think anyone is taught, even before like metrics are like part of it, is lineup protection. Like The way that you set your lineup is very dependent on your pitcher that you're facing exactly and that's why and that's why nowadays you stack lineups like um the yankees they put judge second you never would have seen that in like 2005 he'd be batting fourth every game but like they want him hitting in front of the guy who's leading off because they want to get that lead runner on then they want judge on with a guy on base and then if judge gets on they want whoever's batting third some bum uh to drive him in like how could you say lineup protection's not real? Like that you totally benefit from batting before or after a guy like Devers or Judge or Tatis. Like, it's crazy to me. Sammy, the the perfect example of this is the uh, the Yankees two years ago when they started because they didn't have protection for Judge, so teams would just walk him every time, and so they started leading him off because they were thinking to themselves, if this guy's just going to walk every time, we're just going to lead him off. Like, yeah. yeah, it's important to have lineup. When you put this on the show sheet, I thought you were going to argue that lineup protection wasn't a thing. That's where I thought we were going. Yeah, I didn't understand. It's what was no, it's happening. very much a thing. Like, that is, it is a come. thing. Like, you have to, like, if they, if you don't have any protection behind Devers, they're just going to walk Devers every time. And if they walk Devers every time, you're not getting, you're yeah, not they'd getting rather, your from They'd rather face whoever's after Devers with him on first rather than pitch to Devers and have him hit a 487 foot nuke. But, like, yep. you know what we got to do next time we have a, a pitcher? on the show, we got to get their point of view. Cause I cannot fathom a major league pitcher being like, Nope, lineup protection is not real. I'm going to pitch Devers the same way, whether, yeah. you know, like, like yeah. let's, say the, yeah. let's say the Red I Sox mean, like, had, uh, Solaire. Can I'm not sure who said this. I don't know if he came from a pitcher who like, uh, like, I don't know if this is like a podcast done by a former pitcher. I can see a pitcher being like bulldog men, like Jonathan Papelbon being like, Oh Yeah. Protect, uh, no, they'll say lineup that, protection that doesn't matter talking. because you know who like, we should ask. You know who I'm would the be the perfect best. person? The absolute perfect person to ask about this would be Craig Breslow because he was a major league pitcher and he's incredibly smart. I, I, I can almost on. guarantee you that he would be like, "Yeah, of course, line of protection's a thing. Like, how could it not be? Like, I feel like Devers' numbers will go up if you get Jorge Soler next year, and you're fr- the friggin' pitcher's like, fuck." I cannot let Devers get on base because I already let Duran get on base. And if I let Devers on base, then I have Solaire up with two guys on. And then Casas comes. It just, even if it's a mental thing. I mean, I, I I only pitched in high school, but like if the number three guy was coming up next, I'd be like, okay, I can't, I cannot walk this guy mm-hmm. adding second because this guy coming up is going to probably make me look like a joke. So yeah, I, I don't know. It's one of those examples of, analytics and you know the quote-unquote baseball nerds going a little too far in my opinion oh no they could never no never never never. um all right that's an interesting that was enough said that i was not expecting to go the way i thought it was enough said um that's that was beautiful uh mine's just a simple uh actually i guess it's a two-parter before we get to gordo 
One is just I, I woke up and I was thinking about Jacoby Ellsbury because I got his number wrong earlier in the week. I, we were talking about like the last or last episode with Sean McAdam uh, when we wrapped it up. We were talking about uh, what was it? Andrew Benatendi was the last number 18 that was being reserved for Yamamoto. Uh, and I mistakenly said Jacoby was and I felt bad. And I started going down a Jacoby Ellsbury like YouTube wormhole. Guy was so good. I, I like we underappreciate it. I think part of it is like I was upset that he went to the Yankees. Um, but holy moly, the guy was good. Like before Acuna, he was the last guy to get 70. Was it 71? Yeah. 70 71 or 72, I think, steals in a season, which is that's insane. And then to hit the way that he did that same, I almost got rookie of the year. The only guy that beat him, I believe, was, was it Pedroia? Or no, mm-hmm. his rookie year would have been 08. So there was been, that or, 2007 because remember Jacoby came up and he didn't play in the playoffs and then they brought him up for the World Series and he was sick and then we had so was Joe, was Joe Mauer? Did Joe Mauer take away Ellsbury's rookie of the year? Joe Mauer? I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah, I but. bet he. I bet he took too many at bats in 07 to qualify and then wasn't wasn't a okay. He um, that'd be my guess. Kobe's kind of like a sleeper agent because he helped the Red Sox win two World Series. He was awesome, super handsome the entire time. And then he went to the Yankees and he was like, I'm going to tank these guys. They suck. They suck. Oh, uh, when it's all said and done, like, yeah, like, give me, give Jacoby Ellsbury, like, the greatest ever for, for like his entire body of work. Like, those, and then he ran robbing the Yankees. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I got to think. What, what was the, what was the occasion? I think it might have been Big Poppy's retirement or like an anniversary or something of something where Jacoby came back to Fenway wearing a Red Sox uniform, but I think he was still technically. Oh, under- it was um, Pedroia. it was. Pedroia's, oh, I was there for that. Pedroia's a retirement, right? Pedroia, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah, that was it. Pedroia's retirement. Jacoby comes to Fenway. He's technically still under contract with the Yankees while they're playing the Yankees, but he's wearing a Red Sox yeah. jersey. I love this guy. Dude's walking by the dugout, and like none of the Yankee players are like. Then none of them want to say hi to him. Like they're all just like turning their heads. Like, uh, he's like, hey, that was a good time. Yeah, I'm rich. But uh, that brings me to my next. This is enough said. Part B. Um, Sean on. I want to get his his at his handle correct. Uh, whips up the best absolute designs in the world, and he made some Yankee fans eat the garbage recently. <laughs> that was. I, so I think. I think Sounds you guys really know where good. I'm going That's with this. Like a, uh, so Sean designs. I actually. Oh, Palmer. I knew it was Palmer. Sean Palmer. Uh, I, kind of, I kept wanting to say our other friend, Sean Spradling, who just got back from Dubai for Baseball United. Um, but Sean designs. He big fan, big follower. Love him. Um, so he put out a graphic of the Yankee Stadium's uh, jumbo board, jumbotron. I don't know what you guys call it. The big screen. But their screen in center field with a giant welcome to New York, Shohei Otani with Otani in a Yankees uniform. Great work by him. It, honestly, and this, is, this isn't to critique his work or anything, because I know the work he can kind of put out. Not his best edit. And he still got Yankee fans eating the garbage, yeah, which was awesome. People were making TikToks, reacting to it. <laughs> bravo. The, uh, just bravo to Sean. You see uh, Gar- Gary Sheffield Jr. tried to like, Chirp, Sean, he was like, this is the worst edit I've ever seen. You could even see the watermark. And I'm thinking, okay, then how did thousands of people yeah. fall for it? And it's posted everywhere. Yankees fans like, oh, my God, it's happening. He's in New York. By the way, um, it, that counts as a leak. Therefore, yep. 
oh, Otani, out. Yankees are out. Along with the Cubs, the Blue Jays, yep. Giants, and the Dodgers. Giants too. They're out as well. They leaked. Okay. Uh, I yeah. I don't make the rules. I just enforce Dude, them. We we leaked. We leaked the A's and like the Royals, I think, and maybe the Pirates. So I, on this podcast, way early on, yeah. So they've been out for a long time. Or no, we announced that they were out. We already knew they were out. We didn't leak oh, that oh. they were in on him. Oh, you're right. You're right. We announced that they were out. To be totally honest, hey, I, I actually think guys. That, uh, I, I don't think Otani's going to go to the A's. Um, we actually got a little bit more news. I I don't know. Can we get really? a breaking sound real quick? Wait, real news? Real news. Da-na-na, da-na-na, breaking news. The Miami Marlins, I'm hearing, are out on Shohei Otani. Oh, I thought you had something. Oh, my God. Real, dude. I just, my, my heart rate just sped up. Well, uh, hey, so, people are talking. That's, that's what I'm hearing. On the uh, note of false alarms... Andy Martino, this is not enough said. This is just me rambling. Andy Martino, he's the one who's been leaking like Red Sox are looking elsewhere. Like he's a Mets, Yankees guy. Whatever. I won't get into that. I just had shivers go down my spine reading his last tweet. Breaking Shohei Otani. And I literally almost just collapsed. Was voted the winner of the 2023 Edgar Martinez Outstanding Designated Hitter Award. MLB announces. Can't believe How, it. Who cares? Yeah, that is who exactly cares? what he's doing. What he's going for on you that know, tweet, Pat. We 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 have like the opposite of that guy in Boston. I don't. I can't think of a single like Red Sox beat writer or reporter who's like a fanboy or girl. They're all very like buttoned up, kind of like they, they don't they don't fanboy That's the here. Market. That's what every all the that is like the out of town are like. Of course you guys want your team to win i'm like no they don't they don't care yeah. what do? no they actually they root for chaos it's kind of fun yeah oh man i mean when when how about like uh similar but brady and the uh patriots every time they were doing well all you heard on the radio was like here's why it's gonna go down in flames this sunday you suck new england basically every week go pats yeah go pats go pats go socks go bees go sees Hey, uh, Gordo, get enough said. I do, and it's something that I that I've been meaning to bring up on this show for like two a week or two weeks now, and I keep forgetting. We've had, I think, I've had now four or five different people at one point or another say that Sammy and I sound alike, and that they can't tell us apart, and I find Has it, it hard to believe. Hey. <laughs> There ain't no way that's true, man. This is my voice. This is how I talk. We talk very differently, Gordo. We do not sound alike one bit. Yeah, see, these people, like, come on. I mean, I appreciate you listening, but all due respect. Yeah, man. I don't think we sound alike. Do you nah. guys, Coop, Pat, do you guys think we sound alike? I don't think so, right? Nah, man, I don't sound like I kind of hear it. This is how I talk all the time, man. I do not sound like Gordo one bit. I sound okay. like... Can we can we get a um, ground ball? Yeah, I want each of you to say it. Ground ball back to folk, or no? Ground ball stab by folk. Uh, this is getting awkward. What what it, oh, oh, boy. What it, it hasn't happened in ninety-five no, years. The first Red of all, the World Series champions at Fenway, whatever he said. Sorry, I was, doing, so I was doing the joke of Stegleone. That's the Joe Buck. Yeah, Joe no, is uh, stab by folk. A oh, ground ball. He, under, by he underhands to first. Okay, the that's Red Sox fans belong to hear it. Can you believe it? 
Wait, yeah. no, now I'm going to now I'm doing the buck one. Just give us a sentence. <laughs> yeah. God she sells seashells down by the seashore. Okay. She sells seashells down by the seashore, bro. Like that's how I talk. I no, don't know. You how you All right, ready? All right. I'm gonna go in the chat. We got a chat, by the way. We got, we got a chat. This is how we're going to sort this out. It's how we cue each other up. No one knows, so the fans don't know. This person is going to go first. All I want you to say is I'm taking the red line to Park Street, getting off and taking the green line to Fenway. I'm taking the red line to Park Street, getting off and taking the green line to Fenway. Okay, now the other one. I'm taking the red line to Park Street, and then I'm getting off and going to Fenway. What, what was that? See, yeah, no, 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 that he was gives great. it away because was... he knows, he, you know who which one it is because the smart guy remembered the full sentence. Yeah, no, I get punched in the head <laughs> quite a bit. So was, I, I'm going to put, I, I, we'll see what I do with that. I don't, I don't think you guys sound anything. Give alike. us another sentence. Give us a batting first for the Boston Red Sox or something like that. Okay. Um, my social security number is, and then I want you guys to say your social security number. Okay. Um, we're just going to, all right. Whoever wants to go first, go. My social security number is 04071318. Okay. Um, thank you for that. Now the other one. My social security number is less than 100. Just like Tommy Edmonds OPS. Plus no, no, no. Hey, don't worry. Like, listen, we're not attaching. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually exactly 100 on the dot. You want to talk defense? <laughs> Why is the same person talking to himself? Ah, hey, so weird. <laughs> Should I speak? Oh my with, God. Like we were talking about this before. Maybe I'll do the, the episode with an Australian accent. Talk like this for like an hour. Everyone gets sick of it. I think you should try and do all of our voices, and it's just a podcast of you, Sammy. And I can it, like, talk. I, I can do uh, Pat's cadence. This is what this is what Pat does. He goes, he'll be like, Tommy Edmund, hundred OPS. Let me tell you, <laughs> I love Pat's. You could do like a like a dramatic book reading or something. You'd be very good at it. My, fa- I don't even notice I do it until I you think bounce Sammy. around. It was a couple episodes ago. Sammy mentioned it, and I notice I do it now. Is when I'm like be like oozing sarcasm. I go, okay. So wait a minute. You're telling me, and then I just go. I you turn into th- a teacher. That's what you do. What do I do? I, you I turn like into a teacher. Pauses. That's like being sarcastic with a student. Yeah, it's yeah. Gordo does the upper inflection when he's going to make a point. He goes, I think that blah, blah, blah. And then you come down "Ah, like that. Well, well, I think, well, I think. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can do a pretty good Coop impression. Coop makes me want to do this. When you talk on the pod, like, just be cheery. I can do a pretty good Coop. Thank you. Mabo. Mabo. Baba. Hey, Baba. Baba. Smoke some Mabas? All right. Mara, so for the All next right. for the next episode, I'm going to talk like this in a deep voice, like I'm from the South, and be like, hey, what's up, guys? Southern Sammy, cool? send us That's off. That's ridiculous. Southern Sammy, this has been episode number nine, the Frozen Head episode. Thank you for listening to Play Tessie. Make sure you subscribe, all platforms, Apple Podcasts, the Odyssey app. If you're a weirdo, subscribe on Google Apps. <laughs> 
And uh, yeah, leave us five stars. I don't know if I already said that. I've never done the closing, but here it goes. Thanks for listening. Toodaloo.